Welcome to A Year on Tour with Wittinghus. Here's your host, Hans Christian Wittinghus. Guys and girls, welcome back to another episode of A Year on Tour with Wittinghus. After a very, very long hiatus, I'm finally back and I have to apologize for being away for so long. But the break was uh, definitely needed for me to regain the real motivation to, uh, to keep this podcast going. But I promise you guys that I am now back for good and I will not take a long break again. I will try in the future for this podcast to do an episode at least every two weeks with updates on how I'm doing with my training and everything and still as was the original plan with the podcast when I'm playing tournaments I will try and do updates after most of my matches to give you some insight into the matches but let's get into this episode today that will be an episode on uh, with an update of how my year ended 2021 but also my plans for this year 2022 what i'm doing right now and i'll also be answering some questions from you guys in the end and after those questions i'll also find a winner of one of my game t-shirts amongst my amazing 46 patrons who still support this podcast even though i've been quiet as i said for way too long i think my latest episode is from back in september so that's simply amazing that you guys are still behind me and supporting me and I really, really owe you guys a lot. Anyway, let's just get to it. To round off 2021, I think I'll start at the very end actually, the World Championships in December. I played pretty well and I lost out in the, in the third round against Li Xijian. That also means that my year I ended, I think I was ranked 22 or 23 in the rankings. I'm actually not quite sure. But I saw this, uh, this uh, stat from uh, Steen Sleichner Pedersen, the BWF commentator and former uh, head coach of the Danish national team, where he had calculated what the rankings would look like if the, the unfreeze ha- had happened. So if the ranking was not frozen anymore and it was only the last 12 months results, that were counting and if it was only those results from the past 12 months I would actually have ended the year as number 11 in the world so I think that says a lot about that it was a really really good year for me I started the year outside of top 40 and I finished it inside top 15 as number 11 if we look at the rankings as they usually work so for me that was just a yeah a great year. I made a Super 1000 final. I won a bronze medal at the European Championships. I uh, got to play a role at Thomas Cup, which was my biggest goal the entire year. And on top of that, I had some yeah, great memories uh, and moments. Also, the the trip to Bali actually in uh, at the end of the year is uh, is really a trip that I uh, I have good memories from. So it it was. Uh, all in all, a, a great year. Of course, there were also disappointments, and Thomas Cup was actually one of those. I'm still quite disappointed. We only managed to get away with a bronze medal. We went there for gold, and I think we had the team to win gold as well. Obviously, we didn't get it, uh, and yeah, that that still hurts uh, a bit. And every time I think of it or, or talk about it, I uh, 
yeah, I'm just a little sad that it, it didn't happen for us. But I'm still not going to complain about the year. It was a fantastic year for me, 2021. Now, of course, I'm looking ahead to what this year can offer, 2022. It started, uh, it has started uh, pretty slow for me, you could say, because I was on holiday uh, in Dubai with my wife and my son Vincent for almost 10 days after a couple of uh, league matches uh, early in January. Um, so yeah, now I'm just back in training and I don't have any big events coming up in the near future. Uh, the first big one for me will be the All Englands in March. I'm not going to play German Open. I'm skipping that this year. Even though it is one of my favorite tournaments in Europe, I am going to give it a pass. And that is simply to focus even more on All England, which is one of my big goals for 2022. So I think for me, it will be better to stay at home and prepare at home. Don't have any stress with the family life or anything. And if I do well in Germany, I also know that it will be very tough for me to do well against again the week after in all England. And it will save me some travel. And yeah, I think just all in all that it will be better for me to, to just focus 100% on all England in March. So for now, I'm just training and I also have the Danish nationals coming up in two weeks time. Not a big priority of mine, but it's an event that we are obliged to play by the national. When we are part of the national team, we have to play it. Um, and yeah, I also enjoy playing it. I've been playing it every year. I think uh, ever since I was old enough to do it, it's always fun. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to do it again, but it's just not one of my big priorities. I've never had this huge dream of uh, winning the Danish Nationals, but uh, I'll do my best and of course I will try to win, but uh, yeah, I'm not going to plan my training towards it. All my focus in, in training is towards the All England and the tournaments after that. I will play Swiss Open the week after All England. I had some questions about my, uh, my physical condition right now. After coming back from, from holiday, uh, I I did stay away from the badminton courts on holiday completely, but I was doing physical work every every second day actually on the holiday. I still carry a minor issue in my uh, in my right hamstring in the match against Li Jia at the World Championships in the third round. I actually pulled uh, my hamstring a little bit in the third game, uh, and that still bucks me a, a little bit, but it's getting better and better, and I would actually say uh, this right this Friday in training, I uh, I really started moving well again and, and feeling uh, better. But I'm I'm still not at my physical peak, but I also shouldn't be with uh, still more than a month to go before the uh, the All Englands. But I'm uh, I'm getting in better and better shape, and I'm not worried at all that I I don't have enough time. I have plenty of time to to get back into my best possible shape before All England. So yeah, I'm happy with where I am, but. Uh, yeah, I don't actually. I wouldn't say I'm happy with where I am because I'm not in my in a great great shape. But considering the circumstances that I've been away on holiday uh, for for ten days and I've had this injury in my hamstring, I'm happy with where I am. I hope that made sense. Other goals for this year, apart from the All England, will be to get another European medal. I think it would be quite awesome to have uh, three medals at the the European Championships. Um, so I am going to go hard for that, and that is going to be a, a big goal of mine. 
also to be part of the Thomas Cup team again and try to get that gold medal uh, one more time after we won it in, in 16. We want to show that we can repeat that feat and, uh, and get another gold for Denmark. So those two, the All Englands and also the World Championships in Japan in August will be my, uh, my final big goal of this year. So in general, it's the big championships that I... Uh, I really try to, to peek at and then we'll see how it goes. I'm not really too worried or too focused on my ranking. Uh, to me, it doesn't really matter if I'm ranked uh, 11 or 15 or 25, as long as I'm still top 28. So I'm secured participation in all the, the big events, then I'm, I'm just fine with that. It doesn't really mean any difference to me if I'm ranked much higher or yeah lower than than 25 as long as long as I'm in top 28 I'm I'm happy to do that of course it's better to be higher ranked also in terms of qualifying for the world championships where we can only automatically qualify three but often you have a very good chance of qualifying four if the fourth player has a high ranking so in terms of that it's better for me to be higher ranked of course Another decision I've made about this year is that I will probably not participate in as many events as we have seen in some of the past seasons. Or at least I will not participate in as many events as many of the other top players. And that's simply because I've learned that over the past couple of years also with the COVID uh, restrictions that it's actually been better for me to participate in less. So choose things that I won't go to instead of choosing to go to array for basically everything. It kind of gives me better time to, to get my body right every time, but also to get my mind in the, in the right state of mind. I feel much less stressed this way, and I, yeah, I just feel like I'm in a better place every time I go to tournaments when I, when I don't participate in as much. So I think it's the best possible way for me to, to give myself a chance of really performing well. Obviously, it also gives me fewer chances to do well and earn some points and keep my ranking up so I can get into the events. But again, I feel like it, I'm giving myself the best chance of performing well and that is basically what it's all about. And it also just makes it a lot easier back home where there's less stress of, uh, of traveling all the time. So that's why I've, I've made that decision. and. As I said, I'm not gonna play German Open and that is a direct consequence of that the decision that I'm, I want to be better at choosing things I'm not gonna to go to compared to just saying, yeah, I'll participate in everything. So I hope that is a, uh, a decent update for you guys on uh, where I'm at right now and how I look back on the, the past couple of months. I'll now move on to the questions because I got a lot of questions in from you guys. I was uh, asking for you guys on Instagram to, to send me some questions for this episode. And the first one I'm going to answer is the one I got from most of you guys. And that is why have I chosen to start learning to speak Indonesian? And if you follow me on social media, which you probably do, you will have seen that I'm now getting lessons in Indonesian. And well, the reason why I've chosen to start it, it's clearly inspired by Matthias Christiansen, our Danish mixed doubles player who, who speaks 
Bahasa, uh, Indonesian, yeah, Bahasa, he speaks it uh, quite well. Um, he already made some updates on his uh, Instagram where he, where he speaks it. I'm, I won't say he's fluent yet, but he's definitely getting there. Uh, I also have a an old friend from Wales who I know uh, learned how to speak it, and they both say that it's a fairly simple language to learn. Of course, there are things about it that are difficult, but yeah, I've just always heard that it, it's it should be one of the easier languages to learn from scratch. And I think it's quite fascinating and I love Indonesia. I've been there many times. I love the people from Indonesia. They're so like friendly and uh, and open. Um, so I, yeah, I just guess it, it would make sense that way. I also think it's useful in terms of if I want to work with badminton in the future and I want to do that when I'm done playing badminton. So perhaps it can come in handy at some point uh, if, I, if I get to speak at a, at a decent level, but it's not like I have a clear plan for how I'm gonna use it or when to use it. We'll just see about that. And for now, I just, I find it really fun to, to learn it. I get lessons now two times a week through a free uh, program offered by the Indonesian embassy here in Copenhagen who want to promote uh, more, yeah, just, more work between Denmark and uh, and Indonesia, and uh, yeah, a better relationship between Danes and, and Indonesians. So that's why they they offer these language courses. So yeah, we'll see uh, what happens, and uh, I don't expect to get a lot of more sponsors. If any one of you think is that that's because uh, that's why I'm learning it, I, I think that's a little bit too late in my career. But yeah, maybe for Matthias, it's a it's a good thing to learn in terms of attracting new sponsors. Tomalovic on Instagram is asking if I have any further plans for my wish list. Any reaction from BWF as well. And if you don't know what my wish list is, I put a post on my social media back in the end of December where I wished for a lot of things that I would like to see improved in our sport. If you haven't read it, you can find it on my Facebook, also on my Instagram. My further plans for this is that like on Monday, for example, I am gonna be part of a meeting with Babinson Denmark, so the Danish Babinson Association, where they have a working group that for quite some time actually have been working on trying to get some changes through in the BWF system. And a lot of the things that I had on my list, they are already working on. So I'm gonna be part of the meeting to, to give my input as well. They also have some input to other areas like how to improve the, the TV product and yeah, a lot of other stuff. So that is gonna be quite an interesting meeting. And these guys are in this working group, uh, the director from, uh, or the CEO of, of Babinson Denmark, but there's also a guy called Thorsten Bell who is also in BWF actually. Uh, and yeah, there's a, a few other key persons. So they have good connections also inside BWF. So I think it's a, it's a good way to try and uh, yeah, put my points forward and, and see if we can uh, apply some pressure somewhere and get the right people to, to see that these ideas are actually valuable changes to the sport. So that, that is uh, yeah, one thing I will, I will do. I've also been in contact with the, uh, one of the newly elected members of the Athletes Commission. So I hope they can also uh, help a, a little bit. 
Um, yeah, and in terms of if I have got any reaction from the BWF, uh, I haven't got any reaction directly from them. I also didn't contact them directly uh, myself. So I, I guess that that's probably why. But I did see that the Danish media got hold of Polio Korea, our uh, president. Uh, and he uh, had some nice comments actually in the Danish media about it. Said it was a uh, well thought through document I had made and uh, they would uh, definitely uh, have a look at, at some of it. Uh, and I'm also sure that some of the issues they are actually already looking at. But yeah, that, that's basically the uh, the feedback I've gotten from them. But both the CEO of Babson Denmark and also the chairman uh, contacted me directly after. And that's also how we set up that I will be part of this uh, meeting on Monday. I have another, another question from Mdona HD. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but he or she is asking what training session do I do that gives me confidence that I'm tournament ready? So what would I do right before a tournament to feel that I'm ready for, for this event? And I would always do stuff that I know I'm good at. So I like to do actually the later years I feel like my defense has been like a, a strong point of my game so I always love to do a lot of defense work uh, just before the tournaments to, to feel like I'm I have a good defense and I go into the uh, the tournament with a with a lot of confidence and even sometimes I, I'll cheat myself and, and ask the uh, the guys I'm playing against in like a two against one defense to only go like 90% out to to get more shuttles back and uh, just to get this feeling that I'm I'm doing well, I'm moving well, I'm getting a lot of shots back. Um, but yeah, it could also be other exercises. But just in general, I would, in the last few days leading up to, I would do stuff that I know I'm good at and I would also uh, do all the basic stuff, um, I, I think. But again, that's also one of the things that I, I think when I'm playing well, I'm, I'm quite good at. So that that's how I think about that, that I would always try and emphasize on the things that I'm good at compared to uh, the things that I'm not so good at. Another question about training is from Jordan Edgar. He's asking like how many practice mat sets I play every week. And I chose to take this question up because I think the answer is probably gonna surprise some of you. But usually I don't have more than three sets a week Every Wednesday afternoon on the National Training Center in Denmark is dedicated to match practice. All the other training sessions in a normal training week, if we are not right before a big championship, there will be no matches, no games. Maybe there will be some short ones to five or where we play from 18 all after an exercise. So like at the end of a, of a hard, physically hard exercise, we will play yeah, five or six, seven, eight points just uh, yeah, to try and play with the high poles, but we play very few matches actually in match sets. So yeah, usually not more than three every week. Some weeks actually I don't even play any. I would skip the match practice and do physical work instead. So I do have weeks where I don't have any match practice at all. In the weeks leading up to tournaments, yeah, I'll sometimes play a bit more, but I think it's up to six sets a week at most, and that's very rare actually. The final question I've chosen to answer today, and thanks for all the questions, by the way. Please keep them coming when I do these episodes and ask for the questions. I read them all. 
But the final one is uh, one I've chosen because of all the attention this Lishi Jia and Gojin Wei case in Malaysia got. And if you don't know about that case, I'm sure you do, but if you want to hear more about it, you should find the latest episode of the Babinson Experience on YouTube with me and Anna Sandsonsen, where we are discussing it in details. Scott Evans is asking, it's kind of a follow-up question to, to some of the stuff we talked about in, in that episode of the Babinson Experience. He's asking, do I think if all top 25 players in all categories maybe except the ones from China, would be able to join forces and boycott the world tour to force through some big changes from the BWF. So that would, for example, be to allow entries from individual players instead of everything having to go through the Federation, which is like the big, big topic after this Lisi Jia and Gu Jinwei case. And the answer from my point of view is a clear no. I don't think that is doable or at least not in the in the near future and i think that is for a variety of reasons the language barrier is one it's not that easy to to talk in like high detail with especially again again a lot of the the asian players who don't speak english so well and we don't speak a any asian language very well but I think also the structure of the sport is another reason why it's going to be difficult because, again, the federations, they hold so much power. They hold the power over us in terms of entering tournaments. That is one of the rules that I and a lot of other Europeans would like to change. But especially for a lot of the Asian players, it would be a very high risk if they wanted to boycott, uh, start boycotting events. They could get in bad standing with the national federations if the national federations don't agree with this boycott. And if they get in bad standing with the national federation, they risk not being able to enter events again for a very long time, as we just saw with Li Shijia and, and Go Jinwei. I know they got the, the decision reversed, but it just shows that if you are in bad standing with your federation, you do risk actually being hold back or held back from, from playing in events. So I think the risk is considerably higher for the Asian players and there are a lot more Asian players in top 25 than European or Western players in, in general. So yeah, I think the Federation simply holds too much power for it to happen. And another thing is that I'm not so sure actually that all the Asian players think it is as much of a problem as we do here in Europe. I think there is a huge difference in how we how we look at it and the culture between us. Um, so just to come up with some very clear demands that we all agree on across all the uh, country borders, uh, to feel that it, like a boycott is, is worth the risk uh, for doing it, uh, it looks to me like that that's an Im impossible task. But yeah, I've thought about it many times, but yeah, I, I, I don't think it's... Uh, it's really doable in the uh, in the near future. All right, the final thing before I go, everyone, is to find a winner of my game worn T-shirt, and I will find it amongst my forty six patrons. They support me through Patreon.com/slash/Vidinghus, and I have a bag here with all the names of the forty six, and I will draw one. And it is Robin Gerber. 
So Robin, congrats on winning one of my shirts. I'll contact you for the details. Thank you so much for your support, Robin. Also to all the other amazing patrons. And as I said in the start, I really, really owe you guys. Thanks everyone for listening. I'm off again and I promise I'll be back again soon. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thank you for listening to A Year on Tour with Vittinghus. If you enjoyed the show, please rate, share and leave a comment in iTunes or your preferred podcast app.